Hello and welcome to the Almost LA Podcast. My name is Aiden. My name is Audra. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yeah, ha- Halloween is tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Trick or treaty. Well, no, I'm not really here. I'm going to throw out a fun fact. Okay. Did you know that trick or treating started in Los Angeles? No, I did not know yep. that. Yep. Uh, true? Yes. Okay. Halloween has been around since um, Ireland... Uh, pagan times ireland times ireland times i think we have some new irish listeners shout out ireland what's up thanks for halloween those are actually just my ancestors yeah well okay um and and mine by the way hi i'm your mom um and so it used to be like devil's night prank night you know this whole thing was kind of like it was like pranking everything and then they would kind of have like you know costumes and stuff but mostly teenagers around LA in the 20s and 30s were like causing so much havoc with like destruction and like vandalism and stuff that there was like a news blotter I saw from like the 30s where six or seven people would get shot a night because of Halloween pranks and people's properties were getting vandalized people were drag racing in the street like all this crazy stuff so in the 40s like late 30s early 40s they were like hey if you stop terrorizing everyone (laughs) on halloween night we'll hand out candy and like goodies to you if you come up and do a treat for like if you come up and do a trick for us like a like a song or a dance or like a literal trick We'll like give the you a backflip that I can do. Yeah, the, we'll give you uh-huh. candy, and then yeah. you don't have to destroy our house and our property. Well, that's cool. There I you didn't go. Know that. There you go. Anyway, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I'm playing uh, Soundgarden's Outshined tomorrow in class. Nice. And the pe- we have some sweet pedals for the song, and it's so loud and so heavy, and it's finally, I'm like. Is that the one that goes, I'll shine, I'll shine. Oh, no, actually, we're playing Black Hole Sun. Sorry, I got the Black title Black Hole wrong. Sun. Yeah, what that one. It's so, it's so sick. Awesome. Black Hole Sun. Well. And I just turned my guitar all the way up, and I completely overpower the singers, and they just can't hear them at all, and that's perfect. I love it. Great. Well, you know who would love a Black Hole Sun? Yeah. The man of the hour, Jack Parsons. Okay. Good segue. <laughs> Audra coming in with the segues again. <laughs> so, on October 31st, Halloween night, mm-hmm. 1936, at the Arroyo Seco's Devil's Bridge in northern Pasadena. Do you know where that is? Since you oh, live I in dr- Pasadena? I, I, I think I drive by it every day. Probably. On my way to school. Yeah. Jack Parsons and two of his friends set off liquid-fueled rocket launches. Parsons was a rocket enthusiast and self-taught explosion expert and was considered the chemist of his little group. His childhood friend, Ed Foreman, was the machinist and Frank Molina, an actual PhD student, uh, knew about all the aerodynamics. So this trio experimented that Halloween night using oxygen, methyl alcohol, and nitrogen for fuel. Now, I don't know how any of this works, but that's what they did. After three failed attempts, the rocket engine lifted um, a little bit, and on the fourth try, it burned for about three minutes. So it wasn't a total success, but it was enough to kind of be the first experiments. 
um, which would like kind of humble rocket experiments, which would later be the beginnings of JPL or the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, or as today some jokingly call Jack Parsons Laboratory or Jack Parsons Lives. So for those of you who don't know, JPL was the foundation of NASA. So without JPL, we would have no NASA, no man on the moon, no rockets in space. Pretty cool. And no iPhones, probably. Probably. JPL's headquarters um, are near the original launching of these first experiments on the Arroyo Seco, or dry stream, which is the English version of that. Um, and it's called that because in the 1920s, the narrowest place um, of the now Arroyo Seco was dammed to control, to control flooding, which most places in L.A. were, um, because God forbid you let a stream go. And it was named Devil's Gate Dam for the demon-like face of a horned figure in the natural rock outcropping. So I will post a picture of that on Instagram. It literally looks like a devil. It's pretty freaky. Yeah, I just found the bridge on... Uh bridgehunters.com <laughs> there you go it's, it's, definitely it's the supposedly haunted and people kind of flock to the area because it's also supposed to have a lot of satanic rituals going on and hauntings so this would not be the last time parsons was connected with satan which we will talk about in a little bit okay. so side note just a little quick side note before these halloween launches um frank molina who was part of this first launch visited liquid fuel rocket pioneer Robert H. Um, Goddard at his Roswell, New Mexico facility, seeking some collaboration on the, these young kids' kind of rocket ideas, but Goddard wasn't interested in sharing his research. He'd been mocked for his rocketry work. Scientists back then were okay with rockets for like war or like, you know, domestic kind of our own airspace kind of stuff, but space rocketry was laughed at at the time. And this would also not be the last time Roswell, New Mexico was connected with Parsons. So we've got a Satan thing coming up and Roswell, New Mexico thing coming up with Jack Parsons. So who is Jack Parsons? You might ask on this Halloween Eve. Jack Parsons was born Marvel uh, Whiteside Parsons in 1914. I'm assuming Marvel comic books is named after him. I don't know. Just, I don't think so. I'm just throwing Wait. that out there. I'm just making mm. assumptions that aren't okay, really, okay. really true. <laughs> I was like, mm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to rope in Chris Evans and Captain America into my podcast. <laughs> like how you put <laughs> Chris Evans before anything else. <laughs> oh, okay, he was born in 1914. He was raised by his mother and grandparents um, because his mom didn't like his dad, which I'll talk about in a second. His mom started calling him John nicknamed Jack, when his father, who is also named Marvel, started cheating on her and abandoned the family. Cool. Um, his father ended up dying in 1947 in a psychiatric hospital in D.C., so she got the last laugh on that one, I guess. <laughs> um, Jack became obsessed with explosives at a young age. He was expelled from a San Diego private school for blowing up toilets as a kid, which seems... Even bigger red flag. <laughs> he met his childhood friend, Ed Foreman, um, of his future JPL buddy at Pasadena Junior College, which I, you probably drive by every day too. That's the city college now? Yep, which yeah. had a good engineering program at the time. Jack attended, attended uh, USC for a bit, but when the depression hit, uh, his somewhat wealthy family lost a good portion of their money and he was forced to drop out. He also didn't get a 
very good grades. Um, some have speculated that he, he probably had dyslexia based on probably some of his writings and stuff. After gathering his crew of rocketry enthusiasts at this Devil's Gate, after the De Devil's Gate tests, Parsons and his crew were dubbed the Suicide Squad. Again, some like comic okay. book stuff. After, after twice blowing up the JPL lab. Um, Jack had made a name for himself and started working as an explosives expert with the police in the 30s and also developed the solid fuel rocket um, or solid fuel for rockets that would help eventually win World War II and make him some money. So he has an extensive um, rocketry like background. If anyone's interested, go on there. I mean, it goes on and on and on. He, he had founded this uh, JPL and another a company called Aerojet and basically it's all the foundation of our space program. And it's all self-taught, which is crazy. I mean, he went to schooling here and there, but would drop out and leave and go somewhere else. But he was basically self-taught. So in 1941, Parsons and his first wife, Helen, joined famed occultist Aleister Crowley, um, his new religion called... Isn't Crowley like... A Satanist? Yeah. <laughs> he's a oh. Satanist. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, yes. Hold on a second. He thinks he's the devil. His new religion uh, was called, that he kind of started in the late 1800s, early 1900s, I guess 1904 maybe. Um, it was called uh, Thelema. Some people call it Thelema. I'm going to call it Thelema. Thelema's philosophy, in a nutshell, <clears throat> excuse me, it is do what thou willst. <laughs> what up, man? Aleister Crowley, who called himself the Great Beast 666. <laughs> oh, wow. That's like an Xbox username. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Spent his youth rebelling against his wealthy Christian English parents. He dabbled in Satanism and was known uh, was a known bisexual um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, which was not very accepted, obviously, at the time. Um, and this later fueled his kind of free love ideas, which came into... Uh, his new religion he was known to summon all things he deemed devilish and later in his life he was drugged out and living in england in poverty basically when jack parsons joined crowley's california branch of the lima at the ordo templi orientis or the oto lodge in pasadena do you have a cult lodge in pasadena too uh, it sounds like everything's in pasadena at this point yep except for hollywood <laughs> exactly Hollywood's not in pasadena in 1942, Parsons and Helen moved to a dilapidated mansion at 1003 South Orange Avenue in Pasadena on Millionaire's Row. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of that? Orange Avenue. Well, I think that's just where there's a bunch of nice houses. Yes. So Millionaire's Row got its name from the large stately mansions that were built um, on the street the turn of the century. William Wrigley of Wrigley's Gum. James Campbell of Procter and Gamble and Adolphus Bush of Anheuser Busch, among others, had homes there. Um, there's a big thing. Some of them that are still kind of preserved are, are um, you can actually go tour a few of them. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, Parsons converted the mansion into 19 apartments and nicknamed it, ironically, the Parsonage. A Parsonage is, if you don't know, it is a home for clergy. So it's the opposite uh. of kind of religion it's a ha 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 
He rented the rooms out to bohemian artists, scientists, and writers. So Jack and Helen started to kind of have a bad spot in their marriage, and it started to deteriorate when Helen went on vacation. Um, her 17-year-old sister, Sarah, had moved in with the Parsons at this point, and while Helen was gone, Sarah and Jack started having an affair. Okay, keep in mind she's 17. Mm-hmm. When Helen returned from her vacation, she found her sister wearing her clothes, and Sarah was calling Jack her husband. So open relationships were encouraged um, in the Lima, and um, the Parsonages, there was numerous open relationships with basically everybody who was living there. So this was considered normal and treated as normal. You weren't supposed to get jealous. It was just kind of the way it was. So Jack told Helen that this is what the universe had wanted, and basically he, in not so nice way, was like, she and I are better matched sexually, blah, blah, blah. You need to go away. Peace out. Literally just an excuse to cheat. <laughs> yes. So Helen peaced out. She left um, and she w- went off with some other dude. Uh, Jack had become obsessed with Sarah at this point and everyone in the house was noticing. And so they actually started writing Alistair Crowley back in England um, about this obsession and Crowley said openly that Sarah would become Jack's downfall. He was kind of a premonition. Okay. Around this time, uh, Parsons became very friendly with one of his renters who happened to be a well-known but broke sci-fi writer named L. Ron Hubbard. Wow. At this time, uh, people still believed space flight was a joke and completely sci-fi. And Hubbard was one of the only sci-fi writers whose stories actually included spaceflight. That wasn't very common back then. So this bonded the two because Parsons was very into getting a rocket in space and everyone thought he was crazy. This was like kind of like cuckoo balooku to people at this point. So by 1952, as we all probably know, uh, Hubbard would found the infamous cult Scientology, which is based on an alien called Xenu or... Zemu, and according to Hubbard, uh, the dictator of the Galactic Confederacy, who 75 million years ago brought billions of his people to Earth, then known as the Tikikak, (laughs) (laughs) on DC-8-like spacecraft, uh, stacked them around volcanoes and killed them with hydrogen bombs. Now, from what I understand these little things blew up in these bombs and then attached to human beings. So there, all of us humans have these invisible like particles around us from this explosions on these volcanoes. And that's why we aren't clear and we're not pure. So to get clear, we have to confess our sins by using an e-meter, which is like a lie detector in Scientology. And then you go up these levels, you pay for each level. It's like a pyramid scheme. You lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and you never get anywhere and you get separated from your family. It's a cult. So check that out. And they own half of Hollywood. Um, And they're billions of dollars, (laughs) which is crazy. Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise is a Theta 8 or an OT8 or whatever it's called. Isn't he the leader by now? 
Um, David Miscavige is the leader, and Tom Cruise is. Um, Who's David Miscat? He runs Cabbage. after Hubbard died. David Miscavige took over Scientology, so he's the head of Scientology. Okay. So after um, a disrespectful stint in the Navy in World War II, Hubbard abandoned his wife and two kids and moved to Pasadena. He was basically done with them. He wasn't really living with them before the war. He was in New York writing and living in basic poverty, poverty and his uh, family was out west, I think in Montana or somewhere. And when he um, left the war, he wanted them to move to Pasadena with him, but they felt like they had been uprooted enough by him you know, moving around and doing all this crazy stuff that they refused to go. So he basically was like, all right, then bye. So Hubbard is a um, compulsive liar. If anybody has heard about him or Scientology, um, he's basically lied about every aspect of his life. He was a high school dropout. Uh, He failed the Naval Academy exam, which he desperately wanted to get into the Navy. He was obsessed with the Navy and ships. Um, Yeah. I like ships. He, aban- he abandoned uh, the Red Cross while in Puerto Rico. He, his father had gotten him into the Red Cross, trying to get him some kind of direction because he was, had basically failed at everything. And he ended up bailing on that too. Asshole. And he was essentially so useless in the Navy that he was placed on inactive duty in 1946. So two incidences that got him discharged uh, was one while training um, on a submarine that was supposed to be going from Portland to San Diego, Hubbard spent two days dropping artillery in water, thinking he'd spotted a Japanese sub. And he was actually bombing a well-known magnetic field. And this got him in. Wait, so he was actually firing He actually rounds? wasted two days of artillery in the water, bombing so a ma- magnetic he field. Just, he, he went from, where, Oregon to San Diego? Yeah. So the easiest, most safe submarine trip you could possibly go on, and he was just shooting the whole time? Yeah. Out of just nothing? Yeah. Well, what an idiot. <laughs> yep. So once they realized he, there was no threat and he was firing at nothing, um, they deemed him, like, you know, basically irresponsible. So next thing. <laughs> and then he went on to create a huge cold about aliens. <laughs> Yeah. Never give up on your dreams. Exactly. Never let anybody tell you you can't do anything. So after that sub fail, he uh, was placed on another sub that and told to go, you know, do some more training. They were basically trying to keep him occupied. He, he'd had a stint overseas briefly that he had um, gotten in trouble over there, too. And they were, like, sending him back to the U.S. and just kept basically putting him on these training things because he was in the Navy and it was wartime. But he was so incapable of doing anything. They just got rid of him. I bet other people, like, on the submarines or on the ships with him, like other, what are they called, Navy, naval officers? Sailors, yeah, officers. I bet they messed with him so hard. Probably. Just always making fun of him to his face. So (laughs) the next thing that they tried to get him occupied with, um, he they put him on another sub off of San Diego, and he started mistakenly firing rounds onto what he thought was an unoccupied U.S. island, but was actually a habited Mexican island. And so people called up and were like, what the fuck, man? There's some dude firing at us off a sub. Hey, how about stop putting him on subs? (laughs) Well, it's the Navy. (laughs) I know. Just put him... And remember from our our L.A. episode when 
they thought the UFOs were attacking them from the ocean mm-hmm. because they thought there was Japanese submarine threats off of the coast. So they were patrolling, looking for subs. So one report written on Hubbard by his superiors stated that he was, quote, lacking in the essential qualities of judgment, leadership, and cooperation for independent duties. <laughs> so he was discharged in 1946, put on inactive duty, um, and that is when he finally left his family and lived at the Parsonage's, par- the, par- the Partridge family, the Parsonage at Pasadena. That's a mouthful. So Crowley... Um, had assigned Jack Parsons, uh, the head of the OTO Lodge, by 1942. And at this point, the prior lodge that was actually a a building um, had closed down from the previous uh, leader, and Jack started running the meetings and stuff out of his home at that point on uh, the Orange Avenue area. Mm -hmm. He began performing rituals with Hubbard and Sarah, And Parsons wrote to Crowley that although Hubbard had, quote, no formal training in magic, he has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. From some of his his experiences, I deduce he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence, possibly his guardian angel. He is the most uh, (laughs) thelemic person I have ever met and is in complete accord with our own principles. So basically, he's indoctrinated into this other cult. Hubbard is, and he's a great candidate. So Parsons believed at this point that the house that he was living in uh, was haunted because he'd been performing so many magic spells. And he reported seeing orbs, hearing voices, lots of poltergeist activity, and one ritual that actually he believed brought a banshee screaming to the home's windows, which so disturbed his friend Foreman um, that he was like bothered by this for the rest of his life. I guess he was convinced that it was actually banshees at the window. <laughs> so as much as I want to believe that this is all true, <laughs> that uh, they were concocting spells to bring ghosts and banshees, mm. we have to keep in mind that everyone in this house was smoking copious amounts of pot taking acid, mescaline, and pretty much anything they could get their hands on, which was all part of these drugs and sex rituals. And the other housemates also believed that Hubbard and Sarah were kind of playing pranks on Parsons and tricking him and making him feel like he was going a little crazy. So in 1945, Jack, who was at this point trying not to be super jealous of Hubbard and Sarah, who were having an affair, so did I mention that Hubbard stole Sarah from Jack? Not yet, no. Okay, so Jack, who's started dating his wife's 17-year-old sister, uh, lost Sarah, the teenager, to Hubbard at some point. Damn. And so Jack, who was trying to be all cool about it, who was actually very jealous, decided he was going to participate in this sex magic ritual called Babylon Working so he could find a lover for himself because Hubbard was now a Sarah. That's so sad. So Babylon working is a series of rituals designed to summon the goddess Babylon, the great mother of Earth. Uh, Theoretically, the ritual summons the Scarlet Woman, who is Babylon, and she is to birth a moon child. Now, this moon child would aspire 
to travel to space once he's he or she is born this ritual was meant to bring free love to earth and then send the moon child into space so remember that parsons and hubbard started the spells in december of 1945 and finished them in February of 1946. So this was a two-month-long ritual. Most of these Enochian magic spells consisted of the men masturbating into magical tablets while listening to Sergei Prokofiev's, mm. that's not right, second violin concerto. What? During these rituals, Parsons met a woman named Marjorie Cameron, who he believed... <laughs> we believed was the incarnation of Babylon. So everything's happening. It's all happening, man. Jack believed the spells that attracted Marjorie or his new elemental woman to be his lover so he could complete the series of spells. Strangely, Marjorie did become pregnant with Parsons' presumed moonchild, but she left town and aborted the baby. Without- <laughs> so it didn't work. Well, he didn't know she aborted yeah. the baby. Marjorie and Jack eventually married. Marjorie ended up being a little cuckoo baluku. Um, really? She started another cult after oh. uh, Jack passed. What um, a surprise. And it, she wanted to make a race of mixed babies. So it was a cult of um, African-Americans and white people somewhere in the desert in California. And then that went south. And then she became a, a really accomplished artist, actually. So her stuff, um, she, d- she died... I think in the 90s or early 2000s, and she's had a few major like art gallery openings in Los Angeles of her stuff. I just want to say that this all basically just sounds like people who like astrology and that went crazy. <laughs> or people or who are so obsessed with with um, space. It just is weird that there was an, like a, a cult with space and I don't know, it's because it all seems space is like oh yeah that's normal to us so like yeah we go to space no big deal but back then it was so out there that it was it was like talking about us i don't know going to another dimension like how we talk about like oh yeah. you're gonna go to another dimension you're crazy well to them it was like uh, oh you're you gonna go to space you know it's even crazier what still believing that the earth was created six thousand years ago <laughs> by god uh, okay wow you that took a turn <laughs> you had to call him out okay we're gonna, we're gonna call the scientology stuff crazy you gotta call him out now i'm gonna play Everybody the masturbation song <laughs> oh no turn it off turn it off violin concerto number two i just want to hear a part of it it's probably a million trillion hours long but here's part of it That is Janine Jansen playing that. She's a famed violinist, so I'm sorry that I had brought her into a I know. masturbation sex magic cult. Sorry, Janine. But thanks for your amazing playing. Thanks for your contribution to music, question mark. <laughs> question mark. Um, okay. So after the Babylon working was complete, Hubbard and Sarah asked Jack to partner with them on a boat business in Florida called Allied Enterprises. 
Hubbard had married Sarah um, a year before divorcing his <laughs> first wife. Uh, okay. Uh, so, okay. Um, yeah, I don't. So I don't know if that means his marriage wasn't legal, clearly, or what. Uh, later, Hubbard would have a child with Sarah, um, but he would deny Sarah actually existed. So there's <laughs> just like every other married man. He literally Zing. would. He ended up marrying a third time and that's his wife that he had when he founded Scientology um but any pictures with Sa- there's a really famous picture um of Hubbard and Sarah on one of the boats that Jack Parsons money paid for and he has um he has erased her out of those photos so you'll he's like on wow. the boat with this big like this what is was the steering wheel on a boat called um you know, you know the big the big like uh gilligan's thing from you know boats um I and she called the wheel the wheel and he, he is like sitting with her and then in later pictures she's like not there it's like a big space it's like a photo with a big space <laughs> in it okay and in interviews he would talk about his you know child. what he did he cropped her out he cropped and her everybody out. does that now it's yeah right. exactly so he was the first one to crop out his ex so there you go Um, So Parsons gave Hubbard $20,000 to start the business And quickly Jack realized he had been swindled Because that's what Hubbard does Yes, Hubbard Isn't 20k, 20K, that's like 150k back then That's a lot So Hubbard never paid Jack back And the boat business went on to be the Sea Org branch of the Scientology So the Sea Org branch is um, If you ever, if you watch the Scientology documentaries they're, they all wear like naval suits or what they, you know, because they all look like they're in the Navy because his obsession with the Navy. Um, and this is the the branch where the members who can't afford the thousands and thousands of dollars to become clear, you know, with the whole thing, they work off their dues through hard labor and isolation from family members. And this includes, Slavery. yes, this includes members as young as 12 living, living with little food, scrubbing floors with toothbrushes. Um, and basically not attending accredited schools. They supposedly mm-hmm. go to school, but they're Scientology schools, but mm-hmm. they don't really learn anything. So Scientology is actually based on a mix of Crowley's, Thelema, religion, and Hubbard's own science fiction writing. So on the night of June 17, 1952, uh, a batch of mercury blew Parsons up on the in the coach house of a place that he had moved to um, after. Wait, blew him up? Yeah, blew him like up. Like he was in an explosion? Uh-huh, again, the last explosions of his life. He came into the world exploding and went out exploding. So he, at this point, was living in a house at uh, 1071 South Orange Grove, a different house. The, the Parsonage's house at this point had um, been sold, and there are actually condos there now. Um, but his right arm blew off, his other arm broke, both legs were broken, and he had a gaping hole in his jaw. The blast was felt and heard a mile away, and he died 45 minutes after it went off, which is a long time to be sitting there like that, I think. Yeah. So some people think he was murdered um, by an ex-LAPD officer, who he helped put in jail. So remember when I said he worked with the um, LAPD in the 30s? Mm -hmm. Uh, He had worked on a case where um, an LAPD officer who became a detective um, was 
suing, I don't know, they were in some kind of legal thing where he had, there was an ex- a car bomb had gone off or something, and he was an expert in it, and he uh, sent this ex-LAPD guy to jail, and he had just gotten out on, on parole um, right before Parsons' death. So some people speculate he was murdered, unless this guy had, you know, because he was a bomber. Some people think that he committed suicide um, because he was, him and Marjorie were not in a good place. She was actually out that evening getting groceries because they were about to go to Mexico on a vacation. Um, And some people think that he was just, he had a history of depression and his father, as I had said earlier, um, had a history of depression and was in a psychiatric hospital when he had a heart attack. So they think that he may have had undiagnosed um, depression and committed suicide because they said he was so careful with his explosives that there's no way that he would have made a mistake, mm-hmm. but you never know. Um, but some people do think it was just a mistake because he was so, you know, he was such an enthusiast that he was always trying new things and he had just received this shipment of mercury, I guess that day. And he was just messing around with it and it unfortunately blew up. So the mother that raised him so lovingly, um, after she heard of the news of her son, she ended up taking a handful of sleeping pills and died instantly. Mm. Um, so many believed Jack's Babylon ritual worked. One year after the Babylon ritual ended, the Roswell UFO crash occurred. So there's many UFO enthusiasts out there that think um, because Jack opened up this like portal to the universe to allow all this stuff to happen with that sex ritual and the fact that goddard who was the guy that lived in roswell new mexico um when they were first trying to get their rocket stuff launched off he lived in that area a lot of people believe that he kind of opened up the universe to have ufos come here somehow with this ritual that he performed and that's hmm. why we now have all these UFO sightings that started the year after the ritual took place. Um, also, remember what the part of the ritual was, you would have free love on the earth and then the moon child would go into space. The 60s came in with free love. And by the end of the free love era in 69, we sent a man to the moon. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you believe it all, right? Oh, yeah. Jack Parsons made the world go round. So if you want to hear more on Parsons, there's a really cool book called Sex and Rockets, The Occult World of Jack Parsons, which has all this crazy stuff in it. And if you want more on uh, L. Ron Hubbard, the boogeyman of Hollywood and Scientology, there's the HBO Going Clear documentary, or on Hulu, there's the Leah Remini Scientology and its aftermath um, TV show. It's in like this third season, which I can't stop watching. It's amazing. So there you go. That is your Halloween UFOs, sex magic, Satanism, yep. crazy towns, little ghosts, ghosts, little ghosts. Yeah. It's everything. It has everything all in Pasadena, right where That's you go crazy. to school. You hit it all, pretty much. I hit it all. There you go. Well. All right. Well, I am going to be dressed up as Beetlejuice tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I hope everybody gets candy. Thanks for listening. Aiden's going to go think about how Jack Parsons 
made everything happen in the universe. Yep. And then I'm going to take not a handful of sleeping pills, but probably one sleeping pill and get a good eight hours. Uh, you better not take a sleeping pill or I will come and beat your ass on Halloween. <laughs> why, why, why no sleeping pills? Because they're dangerous and stupid. Let's they knock are. it off on that. Okay, wow. everybody. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Bye.